Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, March 26th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for joining me today. I hope you can all call in and ask your investing questions on this Tuesday evening, or maybe you're listening to it after hours, uh, maybe next day, maybe you're listening to it a week from now. Uh, no matter what, you can always call our 24 hour listener line. 888 chart ask your question and we will get to that either live, 4 to 5 Pacific time, or on a future show. Now having said that, I admit that there is no requirement that you call, but when you do participate, it'll make the show better. Bottom line, makes the show better when we hear what's on your mind. What are you thinking about? And our goal here on Invest Talks is to help you achieve financial freedom and make you a better investor. And we do this by using a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, just like we do at KPP Financial. Now, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you forge your own path to financial freedom. We do this one step at a time each day. That's why we do it every weekday, because this isn't something you can just kind of fumble around aimlessly, do a little bit here, a little bit there. It's like any endeavor in life. Uh, if you want to be successful, you need to put a lot of energy towards it and a lot of energy consistently. It goes with your career, your relationships, your investing and financial freedom path. So I'm taking your calls now. Our listener line is open, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Now, let's take a look at the market news today. And if we get in, you know, more rumors about a, tra- a trade agreement with China and more news about Brexit. But the big question is, will that matter to the global economy? The global, global economy is slowing. Would a trade deal China help? Depends on the structure of the trade deal. Certainly would remove a level of uncertainty. And there are plenty of companies that have stalled their their plans to invest in growing their business in new plants, new equipment, new logistics. Because they don't know what the China deal is going to be. So that will help. But what's the structure overall? Then Brexit. Will there be hard or soft Brexit? I've talked about that a little bit more. But the big issue with the trade deal is China. China consumers of China. Their export business, which is what the trade deal is all about. But what it does is affects the consumer confidence within China. And that's what's there. Now, valuations are still around historical averages. In China, here they're probably a little bit elevated. 
And the big question is, will the market break out from its recent highs? I'm always in the camp that could go either way. There's never a surefire where the, the market's going. You can kind of get a general idea based on market patterns, uh, economic patterns, earnings patterns within the uh, to the future direction of the market. And right now, things continue to, to deteriorate slowly. They'll be spending nearly a billion dollars to acquire creative con content for its upcoming streaming service. Didn't really give pricing, which I thought was interesting, but they, they're they trying to transform their business, right? They have this giant install base of Apple products, so they're launching an Apple credit card, Apple news gaming And we're going to talk a little bit more about that coming up. What does that news service, what is the, that announcement mean for not just Apple, industry as a whole, because it's important. Understand, understanding the industry dynamics that are going on within not just the tech space, but the streaming content space. And that streaming content isn't always video, it could be music, it could be news, it could be uh, games, etc. So we're going to talk about that coming up. Now, what else are we going to get to on today's show? What about the sugar tax? I thought that's pretty interesting. Soda taxes, ad limits, better labels. Doctors want to limit sugary drink kids in teens. How is the food industry? How's it going to affect Coke, Pepsi, Keurig, Dr. Pepper? This is a great example of how we talk about the numbers on the show. Numbers matter. But there's that qualitative side. Remember, there's there's fundamental analysis on the quantitative side, the numbers, and then there's the qualitative side. So the regulation around particular industries can be very, very important to understand whether or not the this is the best place for uh, you to be putting your money. Whether uh, the headwinds from regulation are going to be I say head, headwinds are always negative, tailwinds are always positive. So which way are the winds blowing from a regulatory standpoint? So that's a good lesson into how you need to understand both the qualitative side as well as the quantitative, quantitative side. Now, as you can tell, there's a lot of interesting market news today to talk about. But first, let's grab a question from our Anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Tom from New Hampshire. Just started listening to your podcast in the last three months or so. Very insightful. Thank you very much. Had a quick question. I'm not sure if it's for Steve or Justin. I know very little about options and I want to get a little bit more information. What book would you recommend for the novice to learn about options and how to use them? Thank you for your answer and I'll listen to you on the podcast. Bye-bye. Well, I don't, frankly, I don't have a particular book, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but I would say if you're a novice in options, tread carefully. And I think the number one rule I have for options is always be a net 
seller. You want to be bringing in more money from your sale of options than you want to be spending on the purchase of options. Now, the average investor is going to see the potential returns that you can make in the options market and be naturally drawn to that because you can make two, three, four hundred percent of your money in a very short period of time. It is possible. However, it's extremely hard and the odds are against you. It's kind of like the casino, right? Where, yes, you could sit down at the blackjack table, go on a nice run, double your money, triple your money in 30 minutes, maybe less. But the casino knows that those long, the longer you sit there at the table, the better chance there is that you will lose money. And that's kind of how the options market is. If you are a net seller of options, sell puts and calls, over long periods of time, you do hundreds of trades, you're the casino. You're the insurance company. Right? If you know what you're doing, you know how to manage risk, you know under, you understand the strategies, and there's a lot of strategies. There's iron condors and strangles and straddles and you know for for us, for our clients, our favorite strategy is a cover call strategy. So in this market, that's what works the best, especially. So take your time. I wish I had a book, specific book, uh, to, to give you. I don't. But don't don't try to risk a lot, risk a small amount, understand what you're doing, understand the underlying uh, assets that you're trading, and tread carefully until you get your feet under you and understand the strategy that works best for you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you, or I invite you to consider subscribing to our KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. Serious investors with a busy schedule will benefit from Steve's analysis on the market and trends, as well as some look-aheads to what's happening in the future of the markets. And it's a quick read, and it ends up in your mailbox every Friday afternoon. You can subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. And now, I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. It's a fast-moving invest talk, and Justin Klein is here today for Steve Peasley, while Steve takes a few days off. We are in the last trading week of March, and you still need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. So, Justin is taking your calls live. Step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 nine nine chart eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Now this is in Vestock. Main talking point today is a yield curve inversion. You're probably hearing a lot about this on Bloomberg, CNBC, etc. Uh, and the predictive power, I guess you could say, that an inverted yield curve has on the future economic prospects of the United States, maybe of the world economy. So we're going to talk about all of that. And there's one analyst that actually thinks that 
even though we have an inverted yield curve, the Fed will still raise rates this year, which I'm not sure I completely agree with. But we're going to discuss that. As well as in related news, the fixed income market, which I think is very interesting, is we are now at a 16-month high of negative yielding debt instruments in the world, which is quite an interesting uh, turn of events after such a surge in yields over the past couple of years. Also, Apple, with their announcement, we're going to get into a little bit more uh, what this means for the overall industry and which companies will be hurt most in this race for content, race for subscribers, and just the amount of content that's just being pushed out of Hollywood and all sorts of places around the world. And then lastly, if we have time, how does Amazon, how does Amazon economists, how do they help shape the trends within Amazon and thus our lives? So we're going to talk about that as well. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. Those are the things that are hit my brainstem a little uh, uh, with, with, with a little action because I think they're interesting. But ultimately, I want to know what you are thinking about. What tickles your, uh, your, your knowledge uh, itch in your brain when it comes to business and finance. And hopefully I can scratch it. So let's get into our main talking point today. And that's about the yield curve inversion. Uh, the What are we doing? I'm getting oh okay and I, I guess I guess we're going to go to a break here uh, and after that break we're gonna get to this uh, this main talking point which is about the yield curve inversion what does it mean are the is the Fed really gonna raise rates this year I highly doubt it but that's what one analyst thinks now you're listening to invest talk I'm Justin Klein and I believe that every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance at first glance in or that's the first step in building a more profitable investment strategy. And you can quickly calibrate your risk tolerance anytime by using a free online tool at investtalk.com. You'll see the risk analysis button there. But now I'm ready to take your questions at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy, independent thinking, shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Justin's here taking your calls, so step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. So you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now our main talking point today is an opinion from Scott Menard. He is of Guggenheim Partners, and he actually believes, which is contradicted with what the market is pricing in, that the Fed will raise again this year. And basically what he's saying is now that the Fed has paused, the economy will reaccelerate. And you can see what 
is likely going to happen in second, third, fourth quarter of the year uh, when it comes to certain areas of the economy, like housing, for example. What are mortgage rates? Mortgage rates are now down close to 4%. They were at 5%, what, a year ago? And that choked off affordability in the housing market. Now affordability is coming back into the housing market, and it will will give you some sort of a nice tailwind going into the back half of the year. Because usually it takes six to nine months for these mortgage rates to feed into prices and activity for housing. And you see right now, the housing numbers are poor, right? You're, you're seeing poor sales, poor traffic, because people became disinterested. They saw the cost. They saw the affordability issue. So price is moderating to a large degree in some areas falling. Now you're going to start seeing the reverse of that. You're going to see in a couple months people waking up to the fact that, hey, maybe I should think about buying now that I can borrow 4% again. And there's an argument to that. But the problem is globally. Globally, the economy remains slow. And from a liquidity standpoint, yes, all the central banks have kind of come back from this whole reducing their balance sheets, uh, raising interest rates. They've all stopped, right? The ECB said they were originally said they were going to raise rates one time this year. Now they're saying they're not going to do it at all. Same with the Fed. They were talking just three, what, six months ago that they're going to raise rates three times this year. Now they're projecting zero, only only once in 2020. So central bank banks globally have come back from being hawkish to now being more dovish, but they're not easing, and that is really I think the biggest issue here, is that. After a decade of printing money, and they kind of took turns, uh, you know, the, the Fed did three rounds of QE, the ECB did their big round of QE, Bank of Japan's been doing QE for 20 years, um, the markets are used to it. Now the question is, can the markets and the economies hold up without Fed money printing or central bank money printing? They aren't tightening anymore, but they're just kind of flat. They're not expanding their balance sheet. They're not shrinking their balance sheet. They're just kind of sitting there. And I don't think that's enough for the economy. I really don't. The Fed has downgraded their forecast for growth from 2.3 to 2.1% GDP growth for the year. The Fed GDP now figure, let me see what that was. I remember just a few days ago, it was 0.04, I believe it was. That was the Bank of Atlanta metric. Now it's at 1.3 for the first quarter. So it has accepted some for this first quarter. And I'm sure part of that has to do with an easier Fed, uh, a rallying stock market, and lower cost of capital for home buyers as well as corporations. But when you look at the bond market, you're seeing a three-month and 10-year yield inversion. And 
according to the San Francisco Fed, this is the best predictor of recessions. And it's predicted the last seven recessions. And this is one of the reasons why, yes, you saw the market rally on the Fed dovish pivot. And just a couple days later, that was Wednesday, by Friday, the market turned right around and closed even lower than it did at the start of Wednesday. So what it's telling you is the market likes the fact that the Fed turned dovish because of the rally, right? They were, that was the price. Remember, this is a good example of buy the rumor, sell the news. The rumor was the Fed was going to pivot dovishly. Guess what they did? They pivoted dovishly. Now they've sold that news. And if the market breaks lower, below kind of where we were, let me look at a chart here. If you're on the YouTube live stream, I'll bring this up and you'll be able to see uh, the chart of the S&P 500. But basically, if we break below where we were earlier in March, the low in March, I think that is a really bad sign and it looks like we would likely head back to the December lows. So that's a big line in the sand for the overall market and I think everyone should be watching that number. Now I know it's hard to believe but we already we are already into the last week of March trading, which means the last week of the first quarter. So I want to hear from you. I don't know what's on your mind. Give me a call at 888-99 chart. To win, all effective investors use a process. And listeners call Invest Talk every day asking to share our winning process. And they too can win using the right analytical tools. Just what do we use as our everyday go-to research tool? Ycharts. It's a cloud-based financial research platform. It is indispensable. Ycharts has the powerful tools of a terminal combined with the ease of use of a modern website. We use Ycharts every day. YCharts is easy to navigate, visually awesome, and informative. YCharts has filters driven by thousands of metrics, Excel integration, and data visualization to create charts that compare stocks, funds, indices, and more. If you're a serious investor, you'll understand that the precision functionality in YCharts is not free. But YCharts has more horsepower and by far better data and filters compared to a giveaway tools from Yahoo or Google. YCharts is a fraction of the cost of something like Bluebird Terminal. And now our listeners can try YCharts for free. You just heard Steve and Justin endorse YCharts. It's the lightning-fast research, data filter, and charting tool they use every day for their investment portfolios. Think about it. Steve is right. Free software cannot come close to the power, speed, ease of use, and practical functionality of YCharts. And serious investors understand that YCharts can pay for itself with just one or two targeted investment selections. So here's your chance to take advantage of a free trial and a generous YCharts discount. Start by mentioning InvestTalk when you go to YCharts.com. Get serious. Get YCharts. This is InvestTalk. Your decision-making process can benefit from practical and unbiased advice if you consult with Steve or Justin. And on May 1st, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose to offer complimentary portfolio review consultations. So don't miss this opportunity. Register now at investtalk.com. 
Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Justin from Connecticut. Um, I had a question for you guys about Aurora Cannabis. The ticker symbol is ACB. Today, they hired a new consultant, I guess, named Nelson Pence, I think was his name. And I was wondering, I think it was a strategic capitalist investor or something like that. I was wondering what that means, if you guys had any input, if that's a good thing, a bad thing. I don't have a ton of money in it, but I have some money in it, and I do believe it's going to go up eventually. So if you could just give me some insight on uh, your thoughts. Thanks. Appreciate it. I've heard the name, Nelson Pence, but I, I don't know a whole lot about him. Uh, I So I can't give you any track record about him or any background. Uh, but I will King talk a little bit about Aurora Cannabis, and you know, this goes for the cannabis space overall. They're all, it's its the next Bitcoin, right? Where Bitcoin has maybe some use factors to it, but it's just the latest place to speculate on higher prices. I mean, I was on a plane the other day, and you could tell some amateur investors were talking about it cannabis stocks and and you know you just see those anecdotal things going on and it was very similar to what I saw just a you know year year and a half ago uh, when it comes came to to Bitcoin so for the space as a whole the majority of these names are very very overvalued so what you have to look at I think is do these companies have some sort of innovation that is going to raise them long term above the rest, right? Meaning, there's going to be a lot of companies out there growing cannabis. There's going to be a lot of companies out there trying to make the next most popular cannabis product of some kind, right? But are there actual innovations or are there, these are just companies that are trying to jump on the bandwagon, right? That cannabis is going to be more legalized in the United States. That I think it already is in Canada, and they're just jumping on the growth trend. And frankly, when you're just jumping on that growth trend or that hot topic, then most likely those companies are going to be extremely overvalued today in the long term. Now, if there are companies that are ex better. They're developing better processes to either grow or distribute cannabis. Or maybe they are developing a product of some kind that is better than the rest. Those are the companies that are going to win out long term. Okay. So the big question with Aurora Cannabis, they grow cannabis. It's really what it is. It's a Canadian-based company vertically integrated and horizontally diversified across every key segment of the value chain from facility engineering and design to cannabis breeding and genetics research, cannabis and hemp production, derivatives, home cultivation, wholesale and retail distribution. So I like that they're touching a lot because I think the just straight growing of cannabis, I it, it's going to be like tobacco. It's going to be commodity. Um, yeah, there'll be different strains and things like that. But overall, I think certain strains will rise up and be the popular ones. Uh, just like you know, certain types of, of cigarettes, right? From menthol to you know, I don't smoke cigarettes, so I don't know. But uh, you know, there's there's different types that become popular, and I think that will eventually uh, rise. Uh, to the top. Uh, when it comes to Aurora, 
I look at, or any of the cannabis names, I want to look at the chart. So I'm going to look at a chart here. If you're on the YouTube live stream, you'll see me pull this up. Right, ACB, that's what it is, not ABC. And it's rallied from 5 all the way to 9, so it's doubled in a short period of time. Stock didn't really rally on uh, much on the news. Uh, technically, it's... Let me go to a weekly here. Whew. You know, triple top. I just don't love it. I just don't love it. I don't love the valuation. $9 billion market cap. Enterprise value to EBITDA is astronomical. Let's see what it is. It's 100 in... It's not even calculable because the EBITDA is negative. They're still losing money. So I just don't like it overall. It's a speculative space. You're, you take your profits, uh, at least as much profits as you have currently, and then let the rest ride is the way I would do it. Thanks for the call. That was Aurora Cannabis. ACB is the symbol. Now let's talk a little bit about the fixed income market because this is very important. I know fixed income can be very boring, but guess what? The fixed income market is the economy. I'll repeat that again. The fixed income market is the economy. Why? Because the credit market is the economic cycle. If the credit market turns, less lending, less borrowing goes on, less economic economic activity happens, more layoffs happen, and you transition into a recession. Now, after a decade of money printing by central banks, one-fifth of the investment-grade debt in the world is now trading below zero yield. That's the highest proportion in 16 months, according to Bloomberg. And the main driver is this rush to save assets. When you see a yield curve inversion, especially a three-year, 10-year inversion like we have now, this compounds fears that we're going to go into recession. So you have a flight to safety. And it becomes, once again, not a return on your money, but a return of your money. So the Bloomberg index tracking outstanding negative yielding debt past $10 trillion once again on Friday. And that's the highest level since September 2017. Now, what does this mean overall? It just means that central banks don't have a lot of ammunition. You know, they've tightened policy by reducing money printing and raising interest rates, but they don't have a lot of ammunition. And I think that's the biggest worry, and this is an indication of that, right? Now, you might ask, your, you might ask your, yourself, why are there negative yielding securities? Well, banks need to hold a certain amount. You know, after the financial crisis, we had a rethink of the global banking system and how much safe assets should be on the balance sheet versus risk assets. And the regulation has pushed people, or pushed banks, excuse me, into areas where they have to buy, no matter the price. And that is what has driven this. And once again, if you if you uh, were part of our Invest Talk Academy uh, class a couple weeks ago, we talked about valuation, valuing assets. Talked about the 
present value of future cash flows. That's how you price any financial instrument. Right? What is the present value of future cash flows what, of what I'm going to get down the line? Now, if yields are low or negative, that means the value of those future cash flows are now a lot higher today than they are in the future. Actually, if they're negative, if yields are negative, the present value of that future cash flow is now higher today, which means the asset values are higher today than in the future. So you almost have an inverted asset curve as well. It's a very strange time. It's a very strange market. But hey, we're in unprecedented times. And I think what will be interesting during the next recession and with QE and money printing, will it be politically feasible for central banks to print money to give to banks and, corp- and, and lower the cost of borrowing for big corporations? We're in a time of... Populism. People are don't want to see the governments give money to corporations anymore. So I think the next round of QE is not going to be printing money out of thin air and giving it to banks to lend in the economy. I think it's going to be printing money out of thin air and giving it to people, individuals. And if that happens, inflation will rise dramatically. So I think that's the next thing to look out for. Will The market is expecting the next recession reaction to be like QE. And I don't think it actually will. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time each weekday. It's also available 24-7 via our archived podcast at investtalk.com. And of course, you can listen and subscribe to Invest Talk Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about the show. And now the lines are open and we're taking your financial and investing questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. If to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. And be sure to save the date. On Wednesday, May 1st, Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose, California to sit down with listeners who understand the value of a no-cost portfolio review. So tell your friends and register to meet with Steve on May 1st. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Joey from Greenville, South Carolina. I have a question about the upcoming recession. Right now, I put about 
$25 every week into just an app that I have that lets me invest. And knowing that a recession is coming around the corner, is it smart to try and pull that money out or sell those stocks before the recession? Or do you think it's better to just continue the $25 a week, you know, going into the recession, through the recession, and then out of the recession? What do you think is the best practice in a situation like that? Uh, listen for your answer on the podcast. Thanks so much. I think the best course of action is to keep doing what you're doing. $25 a week. Uh, most people underestimate the need to have a saving habit, a saving vehicle, a saving protocol for your daily life, your weekly life. Because that's the most important factor for you to build a nest egg so you can do what you want to do. Most people, if it hits their bank account, they're going to spend it. Right? And as the market goes down, you want to be putting that money in. Long term, you want to be putting your money slowly in as the market goes down. So you don't want to, and you don't want to be that person where you're panicking in or panicking out of the market. Now, doesn't mean you can't make decisions to raise or lower your risk level in your portfolio, which is now what you do right now. But I don't want to get you out of the habit of saving. Because that's the most important factor. Not whether you got the S&P 500 at 2700 versus 2200 or vice versa. It's whether you consistently save. And when you start saying, okay, now I'm not going to save that $100 a month, right? I'm just assuming $25 a week. Now you're going to say, well, I'm gonna, you're probably going to spend that on something. You're probably going to get used to having that extra $100 in your bank account, and it's going to be harder to go back to saving that $25 a month. Now you might tell yourself, no, I'll be fine. But I'm just going based on human nature, how we typically act as human beings. So I would say, keep what you're doing. You're starting out. You're starting with your savings. It's important to continue that habit. And maybe you increase it or decrease it a little bit, but always have that habit of saving. So stick with it. Don't change it at all. 888 chart 888-992-4278. So you get through and ask your question. We have 10 minutes left in the show. Now here's an investing term that you should know. Hands-on investor. A hands-on investor is one who holds a large portion of a company's shares and takes an active role with management. This is becoming more and more common in today's world. Activist managers. Might be called a majority shareholder as well. And hands-on investors use their ownership stake in a firm to become actively engaged in the company's decision-making process and attempt to change the way the company operates. And this is common where you have uh, an activist group, for example, maybe multiple investors or a uh, a firm that's raising capital to go in and buy a large chunk of shares in the open market. And then they say, hey, you're doing it wrong, right? A company is in the tank and their business is not doing very well because maybe poor leadership. And they might buy up a certain percentage and then go into raise, uh, raise something in the board meeting or the shareholder meeting 
and try to make a change, whether that's firing the CEO, the chairman, uh, adding them to the to the board of directors, those type of things. And it can be very, very successful. And it's great if it's a company that you own. We have about five minutes left in the show. Give us a call at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, the reason why stocks are doing fine despite worries about earnings and the economy. That story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. Thank you so much for the great show. I really enjoy listening to it every day. I have a question on health insurance innovations, HIIQ, thinking about adding it to my taxable account as a growth stock. Looks like it just had a good earnings beat heading back up. Just wanted to see what your thoughts were. Thank you so much. Okay, this is Health Insurance Innovations. HIIQ is the symbol. Revenue's up 90% year over year, earnings up 165% year over year, and the P ratio is 11. Uh, no dividend yield, $400 million valuation. Let me look at a uh, modest amount of debt on its balance sheet. Enterprise value EBIT is 13, which is not too bad in relation to uh, the, the, the growth rate when you're growing that fast. However, you know, something is stinky about this stock. It just feels stinky. When you have that level of growth, why is the chart now headed so far south? It peaked out around 63. It hit a low around 24 late last year. And now we're rolling back over. We rallied back to 46. Now we're at 27. This thing's all over the board. It has actually a pretty good head and shoulders pattern on the overall chart. Technically, it looks absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, uh, while the fundamentals look decent, look solid, I don't like the look of this chart. Uh, it seems fishy to me for a company growing so fast to be trading at such a low valuation. It seems like a value trap to me. So, I would absolutely stay away from HIIQ Health Insurance Innovations. It just doesn't smell right to me. And if you look at uh, cash from operations, it is now on a negative trajectory from uh, about 100, sorry, 48 million in mid 2017, not on a 21 million. So you're about half of where you were uh, just a couple of years ago from uh, that standpoint. And let me look a little, let me look at EBITDA. Yeah, I mean, it's just, this is a company who's, yes, the overarching numbers look good, but the cash flow numbers don't look very solid. And so I would stay away from HIIQ. Thanks for calling. That was Health Insurance Innovators. 888-99-4276. Quickly about Apple's new service. Uh, now, I don't think it's going to be a huge mover for Apple, at least in the near term. They're going to need to build out this service. You don't really have any pricing on it outside of Apple News. Uh, so you don't know what their TV service, TV Plus, is going to actually look and feel like and cost. And 
same with the gaming. There's no there's no cost in the gaming side as well. I think that actually has the best potential of all of these services. You know, the credit card, it's a very competitive landscape. I don't think it'll be that big. I think it'll have adoption. But I don't think it's going to be huge. So I like what they're doing. I like they're trying to transform their business a little bit because they do have 900 million global unique users. They mean a stall base of devices pretty much on a daily basis. Basis, and that's fantastic. Now, the bigger question is, what does this mean for the industry or the content industry as a whole? And I think not only this, but what uh, the Warner Media Group, basically AT&T, is going to be coming out with, as well as Disney, uh, what they're going to be coming out with. Netflix, I think, has huge downside potential from here. Huge downside potential. Why? Because yeah, it, it's 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 the popular platform today, but it's the leader in a space that is going to over the next six to 12, 18 months is going to get a lot more competitive. And I don't think people are yes, the subscriber base for Netflix is not going to zero. I'm not saying that, but not only is the growth rate going to slow, but I think it could go negative. They're spending a ton, a ton of money on content. And it's the go-to streaming platform right now. What happens when there's three or four or five different high-quality streaming platforms out there in the marketplace, which I think two years from now will likely be the case. Are you going to subscribe to all of them? No. I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there, and there are, the, the surveys say, a lot of parents are would think about switching to Disney service. Why? Because they use Netflix for their kids movies and you know entertainment why would you need both you just have disney they're the go-to when it comes to kids entertainment so i think netflix has a huge downside and i think the industry is going to get a lot more competitive very quickly i'm justin klein and this completes another invest talk program and i thank you for your loyal support and questions tomorrow's a new day and you'll have a lot of market questions i'm sure so please come back to us and give us a call leave your question we'll answer it on the next show have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.